Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to the June 13th edition of the Holy Smokes Podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro, your host. You can follow me online at Showdown Joe. Uh, we have a nice little show planned for you today, ladies and gentlemen. As always, I'm joined by Sean Ross Sapp. Sean, if you follow him online at Sean Ross Sapp and his crazy cat pictures, which makes no sense whatsoever. Actually, I saw one of Holly Holm I was going to send to you today, Sean, uh, of her and a cat. And I was like, well, isn't that pretty? Wouldn't Sapp really like this one? Just because I have cats doesn't mean I, I fawn over every cat in the world. I think you do. I think you absolutely love them, those free. You know what? I'm a cat guy as well. I like cats. I used to have a cat uh, until I got married, and I had, the, I had a choice, her or the cat. What did so you do I with the cat? Oh, we gave it to uh, my roommates that I was living with before. They, have, uh, they had another cat, so they, uh, they treated him uh, very well. Uh, until, did she uh, give you the ultimatum? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we can't even have a dog. My, my son, yeah, my son asks for a puppy every single day. Anytime there's somebody walking in front of the house, or I go to pick him up at school, or we go for a bike ride, and he sees a dog, he stops right away. He's got a pet. I want a doggy. I want a doggy. I'm like, well, it's the dog or mommy. He's like, I'll take the dog. And I'm like, you're not going to say that to her, right? He's, I'll tell her. No, you're not going to tell her that. So yeah, that's my life. Man, my life is dealing with vertigo. I've had it all day. Ooh, that's not good. You so if, I fall, if I fall over in my chair, you all know why. I've been like eating almonds and like trying to you know, clean down my ears, everything, all the, the basic steps you take when you have vertigo. Man, it's it's something. Yeah, I had a friend of mine who uh, who has belts of vertigo, and she uh, actually she's much better now. But uh, I hear exactly what you're saying, and, and I definitely feel for you because I I would not be want to doing anything normal in life and just out of nowhere oh uh the ground's getting closer to my face it's Listen, not good 
I am the hashtag 90 minute man, hashtag stamina monster. Nothing can keep me from doing my job. Yeah, as of, as of this moment, I'm hashtag the sweaty guy. For some reason, the heat just picked up for no reason. I know I got the air conditioning on here, but uh, if you guys see me wiping my face, I apologize. I'm beginning to sweat for no apparent reason. Uh, lots to discuss in the show here, Sean. Obviously, uh, you know we'll kind of re- do a re- quick, quick recap of UFC Auckland, some stories that have emanated uh, from that event there. We have UFC Singapore this weekend. Uh, both you and I will be up at 4.30 a.m. to catch <laughs> those amazing fight pass no, we're not. We're not. We're not going to watch those I'm fights. I'm thinking we uh, do that show probably about two thirty ish. Two thirty ish might be a pretty good idea. We'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, it's it's an early show for us guys here uh, on the East Coast. Early for everyone in North America. Uh, so it remains to be seen uh, what will come from that event. But uh, an interesting main event uh, that continues to get flack, continues to get some love. I mentioned Holly Holm. She's coming off three straight losses. She's headlining versus Betch Correa, who uh, Sean Pearson had some interesting words about, uh, which we'll hear a little bit later on uh, in the show. Uh, some posts by Derek Lewis, posts by Travis Brown. Are Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz messing with us? Uh, we'll explain yay or nay a little bit later. So, Sean, uh, what's on your mind, sir? There's a lot going on between Bellator and and uh, the UFC Singapore show, and we may have a date for Mayweather-McGregor. There's, there's a lot going on. A guy came to haul off trash out of my garage today, and he talked about Mayweather-McGregor. So, I mean, it's out there. It's going to be one of the greatest selling pay-per-views of all time. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's going to be a variety of storylines and angles to look at this. And a lot of different media are going to take different – I know we are. We're going to take a bunch of different angles other than the fact that it's a boxing boat. But um, it is August 26th. That's the date apparently that's been reserved at the MGM uh, as of now, August 26th. Uh, funny thing is, Sean, I got a wedding that day. But the beauty is that it's boxing. So I can go to the wedding. Uh, it's like my niece's wedding, whatever. So I can go to the wedding, leave plenty of time, be a full bastard by the time I get home, half half asleep because I ate so much Italian food. Uh, but those guys probably won't get into the ring till midnight, maybe after midnight, which will give me plenty of time to come home, put the little guy to bed, wife will go to sleep, I'll watch the fight, you and I will go live afterwards, and that's the only fight that we'll, we'll talk about. We'll talk about the fight for sure and what it means to the world of mixed martial arts, what it means to boxing, what it means to combat sports. So that's it, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to yeah i'm looking forward to it too conor mcgregor is with 95 percent certainty going to lose unlike many others i think he still fights afterwards and the reason why i think he still fights afterwards is because right now he is the guy getting like eight nine ten million i think he can be the guy that doubles maybe triples that number that says well, you know, if if I'm not around, that affects other pay-per-views. That affects the next month's pay-per-view. You, you're not going to be running an ad for UFC 218 and having people see it if if I'm not on UFC 217 in this big fight. Like, the, there are a lot more eyeballs that he puts on the sport, a lot more casual eyeballs he puts on the sport. And if he's selling consistently over 1.2, 1.3 million buys, he's going to have that leverage. And something that helps that, Joe, is the fact that uh, th- that's just the reported, like, satellite cable buys. We don't even hear about what UFC sells on UFC.tv that they get to keep a significantly larger portion of. I mean, if the UFC had their way... Nobody would buy it on cable or DirecTV or anything like that. They would buy it on UFC.TV or, or some uh, form like that. That way they could keep as much money as possible. That's changing as well. Like There, there are so many 
different uh, facets and aspects to this situation. But, I mean, hey, we've, we've got Floyd Mayweather who makes a ton of money every time he fights, and he just keeps fighting. So I think that Conor McGregor will see that, and he won't be able to make that kind of money in boxing after this. He'll ha- he will only be able to make that in MMA. Well, uh, guys, girls, if you're uh, tuned in right now, upper right-hand side of your screen, there's the live chat. Feel free to post your comments. I do see some stuff there uh, by Kyler James, Vinny Fernando, Stone Osborne, Jordan Lane, uh, talking about the Mayweather stuff, talking about uh, this card coming up in Singapore. In terms of Conor McGregor, um, you know, Manny Pacquiao actually threw his name in the hat. Canelo, Oscar De La Hoya and Canelo threw their name in the hat. So in my opinion, Conor's going to have so many options no matter what. Again, you just mentioned 5% chance of winning. Uh, there's been a few pro boxers that have come out and said, don't be surprised if he shocks the world. Uh, there's so many stories and angles that we could take with this leading up to it, and especially after it pending the result. There's also the unpredictability factor. You know, What if, what if Conor McGregor goes two, three rounds and he still hasn't hit Floyd? Yeah. You know? There's, there's <laughs> that kick. too. Like, I've said this a million times. If I'm Conor McGregor, I set myself up for that possibility. I set myself up, and on this press tour that they're going to go on, and it's going to be great, if I'm Conor McGregor, I say, yeah, I'll do your little boxing fight because you weren't man enough to do an MMA fight. And after I do this, will you do an MMA fight? I doubt it. Like, I would set him up. Put put Mayweather in a no-win situation. But put yourself in a nothing-to-lose situation. That's what I would do if I were Conor McGregor. He did post something on Instagram with him in his boxing gear uh, and a picture of Floyd Mayweather saying congratulations to Floyd Sr. for getting the rounds in with the young guys. I said, okay, well, it's beginning. (laughs) So we know age is going to be something that Conor McGregor is going to be focused on. I'm just looking forward. we, we have a question from C. Phoenix. He says, I get the feeling Connor is milking this hype, but what if he comes back to the cage and it goes downhill from there? In my opinion, he's got that money. Look at what Catolos just posted. He's, they, Conor McGregor will never fight for less than seven, seven figures now. Never. There are guys, Demetrius Johnson is begging for seven figures, and he is the most dominant champion in UFC history, arguably. Meanwhile, Conor McGregor, if he loses six fights in a row, still still a seven-figure guy. It doesn't matter. He's still going to get that money. That's just the situation we're in. Chael Sonnen is about to headline a pay-per-view in Madison Square Garden, and he has a fraction of the charisma that Conor McGregor has and has experienced a fraction of the success that Conor McGregor has. So that tells you the landscape that, that MMA is in. It's, yeah, guys, let's, I mean, it's prize fighting. The prize is the money. It's all about the money. Uh, and he's, he said it before he became super famous, Conor McGregor did, before he became super famous uh, with the UFC. He's in this to get out when he's young. He's in it to make his money and get out. And he's already done that, and he's going to make a boatload more if this fight happens on August 26th. So don't be surprised if he just says, whoop, see ya, I'm done, made my money. I mean, th- the reality is, you know, people talk about fame and fortune. I can tell you flat out, the fortune is far better than the fame. You know, Connor spends famous. a lot of money, Joe. I didn't think that was a thing when people used to say Mayweather spends a lot of money. I didn't think that was a thing. Then I spoke to a person that it, that went out for a night with Floyd Mayweather, and they said, "No, you can't comprehend it. You can't comprehend." To me, 
buying a PlayStation Pro is like me making it rain on a bunch of strippers at the club. Like that that's that's my peak. No. No, that that's a tip for Floyd Mayweather. So what people don't understand when it comes to money. Obviously, you know, Floyd Mayweather, Money Mayweather is on a different stratosphere. Just a completely different level in terms of how to spend money. Uh, the smart ones are the ones that have made the money. Uh, I don't know a thing about Floyd's finances uh, and his investments, if he even needs to make any, because he's made so much money. But you look at a guy like Tyson. He used to make $90 million a fight, and at the end of the you – know, within 30 days, he was broke again. You know, he'd have to fight again to make another $90 million, and he'd be broke again. So it depends on the people around you. It depends on the decisions that you make financially and what you do with that money. Because the bottom line is in life that you're never taught in school. You're not, you know, you're not taught in, in, in grade school, middle school, high school, university, or college unless you, you purposely go after it. You're not taught about finances. You're not taught about how money can make money, how money's supposed to make money for you, how you're supposed to take your money and make it multiply for you. You know, people there's nothing wrong with working a 9 to 5 job, Sean. There's nothing I don't say anything wrong with that, but it ain't going to make you rich. Now, unless true. you Unless you save it and you invest it and that investment starts making money, then you start seeing a return on your investment. And that's the whole point of having an ROI, return on investment. So with these guys making so much money, uh, it's easy to spend that money, especially you know, Conor McGregor. He was on welfare. You know, before he got to the UFC, there was a time when him and D were on welfare. They were on social assistance. They weren't making any money, and now he's got all kinds of money. So what does that do to a person who's never had money if you don't have the right people around you? Uh, and I'm not the biggest financial advisor fan because a lot of these financial advisors, you know, they get their 3%. And if you start compounding that interest, sorry to get too, too financial with you guys, you're not making a lot of money, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there's books out there that will show you. But Conor McGregor now having that money – and, you know, I'll never forget that that scene in The Ultimate Fighter. To this day, it makes me literally figuratively pee my pants when he's talking to Uriah Faber, telling him he's an overage surfer and he's got pythons on his feet. And the way he says it in the Irish accent is pythons, you know, and, and, and he's like and, – and Uriah's like pythons. What are pythons, right? And the, 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 first is- time, the first time I spoke to Conor McGregor, he said – he tried to say 33 and he said, turdy tree. <laughs> right. So it's it's the accent, but at the same time, he's spending crazy money on shoes. Every time you look at his Instagram, he's got like a you know a, a, almost like a double digit, sorry, maybe like tens of thousand dollars in new clothes and watches and shoes. Right? You could spend that money if you have it, but it literally has to be a fraction of what you make. Because if you start spending all that money because you think that money never ends, uh uh-uh, uh, we're going to see Nate Nick Diaz back in that cage real soon because whatever massive amounts of money they made, and if they're not saving it and spending it and investing it properly, they're going to need money. Look at this whole Chuck Liddell rumor with Tito Ortiz. Why? What's happening here? Oh, this situation. Let's take a look at some of the posts they, they've published. We, we get this photo of Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell just squaring off and Tito Ortiz later on says <laughs> we also get this one with uh, some of the wives later on Chuck Liddell is saying well why can't we do this why can't we have this fight and Tito's like i posed for the picture because you wanted to but i mean Tito's had his his farewell fight like he's had his his day in the sun what do you think about Chuck Liddell putting Tito on the spot like that because i mean let's be honest Tito's never really wanted to fight Chuck to begin with. Like, no. if they were toddlers, Tito would have avoided that fight. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, 
There's, I mean, if you go to Chuck Liddell's Instagram, there's a picture of him wearing a blue uh, zipped up zip up hoodie or blue jacket. He looks like a middleweight. He's thin, which chances are he's ripped. So he's looking pretty damn good. Doesn't mean he should be fighting. Doesn't mean he should step into the cage and compete against a guy like Tito Ortiz. I don't know. I mean, the bottom line is this, okay? If they were to put that fight together, whether it's Bellator or whomever, it's probably going to be Bellator or somebody, we're going to watch. Oh, yeah. I, I would watch Chuck Liddell face an 0-1 fighter in the main event of a Bellator show. And I'd watch it every time. I don't know why. I don't have a reason. It's just something about that just draws me to the screen. I, am I proud of it? Hell no, I'm not proud of it. But I would watch it. Sad reality. It is. I mean, I, it's, I would it's... watch him fight Michael Jackson, the the guy that Mickey Gall beat. I would watch it. <laughs> I would every time. I look at some of the stuff, and, and it's it's akin to me. For example, if there's a hockey alumni game with some of the greats that have ever played hockey, I want to watch it. I want to see it. It's not fighting. It's not combat sports. But I want to watch it. You put together, you know, the old school NBA guys. I'll watch it. I'll watch them play ball. It's just, you know, my, my youth coming back, you know. So it's Chuck Liddell and, and Tito Ortiz. I mean, those are guys that I used to watch in my late 20s or, or I guess early 30s, I should say. Uh, and to see them again, maybe I'll watch. I don't want to see them fight. I don't want to see it happen. But if it gets put together, we watch Shamrock and Gracie fight again. Yes. Ultimately, the thing is, you know, we worry about brain trauma and stuff. And, like, I look back at the way that, that my team and I used to train and I'm thinking – uh, but we didn't know back then. We didn't know. We know a lot now. We know about brain trauma. We know about CTE. And at some point, you have, you have to say, well, they make their own decisions. They're adults. But because if they won't facilitate it, if Bellator won't, and the UFC won't, somebody will. Somebody's gonna. Ultimately, uh, you have to see, like. As a company, are you willing to let that happen, or are you willing to let somebody else do it, or is the money more important? And that's the thing, because there's this big moral conflict as it pertains to this as well. Because you've got two guys who probably shouldn't be fighting anymore, although you know Tito hasn't looked terrible in previous fights or anything like that. But like he, he did fairly well against Liam McGeary, I thought, for, for what that fight was. But, man, I don't... And, and the thing is, I think Tito wins that fight. I think he wins it hands down. I, you know what? I was thinking about that earlier today when we're looking at those pictures. I said, ah, for some reason, I think Tito wins that fight. Yeah, I don't think it's even close. I think that Tito would probably take Chuck down and win in the first round, to be honest with you. But <laughs> he doesn't want to do it. Man, that's so what a if lot that of money. That's a lot of money, What if that too. enters into, into uh, Tito's head? What if that enters into his head? Like, you know what? I make a lot of money and I could beat him. I don't he know if it will. So I don't know hmm. if it will ever enter his head that he'll beat Chuck Liddell for whatever reason. I don't know if he thinks like that. I don't know what the deal is. Because he was about to come out of retirement and like or did they ask him or did he offer to fight Fedor? I can't remember. Tito? Yeah. Or Chuck. Tito. I think Tito offered. Okay. So if you're offering to fight Fedor, and I know he said it was just a like just spur of the moment thing. And the thing is, given how Fedor has looked in recent years, we, we don't know who would have won that either. I mean, I've seen crazier things than MMA happen. But I take that fight all day if I'm Tito Ortiz. I say book it for September. 
Let's run a pay-per-view. Let's do this thing. Yeah, I'd like to watch. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to watch. That thing actually takes place. I don't want to see it happen like we talked about with CTE and stuff like that and, and, and brain trauma. But if it gets put together, you know, it's, it's out of our hands. So we're going to tune in and watch it. So Speaking of Bellator, they announced a couple of signings today. Mike Goldberg and Mauro Ranallo. This is particularly interesting because they're both play-by-play guys. And I can't imagine them. I, I, it's tough. That's tough. They just let Sean Gray go. But it's really funny, the Mauro Ranallo story. He got fired, or not fired, but he left WWE. They basically, they treated him pretty poorly. And on the way out, they took some shots at him, like, oh, you're a crybaby. And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to go and call fights at Madison Square Garden and Wembley. And, you know, probably the Tokyo Dome next year, too. Okay, uh, bye, see ya. In pro wrestling, good color, good play-by-play guys are hard to come by. So he's going to be at a premium there as well. I want to know what you think about them stocking up on... A familiar voice in Goldberg. Also, I know that Spike TV loves Mike Goldberg. They've always liked Mike Goldberg. Uh, the people that I've spoke to there were pretty optimistic about the idea of him coming on to Bellator. But I want to know what you think. <laughs> from a personal perspective or from a professional Don't be host? bitter, Joe. Oh, I'm not bitter. I'm definitely not bitter. Uh, in the great words of Stone Cold Steve Austin, didn't give a rat's ass, to be honest with you. But... Uh, I'll be interested to see how these two guys work together. Uh, for years, they're talking about, I guess, two guys that were not exactly kind to one another in terms of you're in this circle. Oh, that guy's an absolute douchebag. He's an asshole. You go to this circle here. Oh, that guy's a goof. He's an idiot. He's a moron, blah, blah. He doesn't know what he's doing. Da, 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 da. And funny how life now brings these two guys back together. I'm not saying I've ever heard either one talk like that. Could be grapevine. But I know how the uh, the inner circle works when it comes to play-by-play guys and broadcasters and stuff like that. So I'm interested to see how this actually unfolds because remember, for the longest time, Goldberg was with the UFC. Um, the other guy was with Pride. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting to see what's going to happen with that now that they're going to be you know, potentially working together. Well, they're going to be working together. I, I, I don't see how two play-by-play guys can work together uh, with an analyst or someone that's breaking down the fights. It's never worked for me. It's difficult enough um, from my perspective when I've got two fighters with me because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always cognizant of making sure that you know I don't ever speak over them. Uh, but you know, you're, you're the guy that's got to keep them together, keep them riled in. I'll never forget the time I had to work with, um, with Kamara Usman and Jessica Aguilar. And, you know, the fight's going on, but they got into a separate conversation. And I'm like, got to talk about the fight, guys. Got to talk about the fight. And it was a good conversation. So my producer's like, let it go, let it go, let it go. But reel them in when you can. I'm like, well, this is a, this is a snowball going down a hill. It's going to be hard to reel them in if they keep going. And the, the, the minutes are ticking away in the round. So you have two guys that are going to be play-by-play. Are they going to work together? I mean, I just saw something on the on the chat here that Goldie will do the pay-per-views, Mara will do the TV. You just said that you know Goldie is, is liked by Spike TV, so he would do the TV. And so it's it's sort of a weird dynamic. We'll see how it works. Um, well, that, that, I don't know if that's been revealed as of yet. That that may just be speculation about about the uh, pay-per-view TV thing. Mm-hmm. Either way, it very rarely can signing an announcer or two announcers. 
get people talking, and this did. So ultimately, it was a good move by by Bellator, especially because Goldberg's a familiar voice, and now to a whole new set of people, Mauro Ronaldo's a familiar voice. He's fresh off of a run as WWE SmackDown Live lead uh, lead announcer, so that could. I think that's a pretty good move too. It's 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 interesting. Uh, they're they're really they're going after a lot of familiar names and can't fault them for that. We'll see how it goes. We will. What else you got? <laughs> what, what's what's up these days? Nothing. I've been just paying attention to this this Derek Lewis and Travis Brown thing. I mean, some people uh, are still accusing. You know, they're they're glad that Derek Lewis beat the crap out of that wife beater Travis Brown, and I'm like, what? Are you guys still going on about this? Like, have you not followed the story? Uh, you know, and then uh, I had a conversation with a bunch of people about they're not fans of Derek Lewis uh, for what he said and yeah. continues to say about Ronda Rousey. And then he made a post. So Travis Brown makes this post. Hey, j- just just because two turds are in the toilet, one's gonna float. The other one, they're they're still turds. Just one's doing better than the other one in that situation. Yeah, Arnold Travis is a turd though. He might be. It was an analogy, not literal. Okay, yeah. I like Brown. Good guy. Um, well, maybe he is. Yeah. So just that whole scenario, I've been kind of paying close attention to that. Um, I don't know. I, I could honestly care less if Derek Lewis retires or not. Um, I lost a lot of respect for him after that post-fight interview. Not Mark Hunt, but the Travis Brown interview. Uh, and when guys like that take do, do what they say or say what they say, I'm like, I don't know. Karma's going to get you. Uh, and a lot of people were ripping him. Even Francis Ngannou was ripping him. You know, Derek Lewis replied uh, in, in the way Derek Lewis does reply. It was kind of short uh, as opposed to what, you know, Travis posted and stuff like that. I think we have a picture of, of the post and stuff like that. Yeah, we have. Check out this post from Travis Brown. He says, you say you have the most heart in the heavyweight division, but I just watched you quit. You should retire. You brought up false news about me that affected my family. What happened to your mom, no woman should ever have to go through. Miss Lewis, you have my sympathy. I hope your family isn't affected by false accusations or false news like mine was. Even though you didn't have the same consideration for my family, I wish the best for your wife and children. Enjoy your wedding on the islands. My home is heaven on earth. Best wishes. We know you don't have the heart, but if you have the balls, I'm down to run it back. Derek Lewis responded by saying, Travis Brown waking up from the dead saying he wants a rematch, and Francis learning how to use Google Translator talking shit. Now, the thing is, I thought that was extremely classy on behalf of Travis Brown. My initial issues with him started how poorly he acted after the, the Brendan Schaub fight. I mean, that that was the character issues that played more of a concern to me because of how he acted now... Did Brendan Schaub criticize his coach? Yeah, but who was right in that situation? Brendan Schaub, who had pretty first-hand knowledge of the situation, dated Ronda Rousey, said, I don't think Edmund is a good coach. I'm pretty sure Travis Brown made a mistake switching camps. Well, even though Travis Brown won that fight, I think it's safe to say that Brendan Schaub uh, it was right. He was right in that situation. Because but how Brown... much? So I'm, I'm not in no way am I defending Travis. I'm just throwing this out there. Uh, how much of that has to do with not just the coach, but the fact that that's your girl's ex-boyfriend right there? Plenty. So there's, there's a Plenty. lot of animosity there. But but I mean, you didn't hear. Brendan Schaub has always been very respectful of Ronda oh, Rousey yeah. publicly. 
Yep. He his, when people ask him how it ended, he said, "I wasn't her guy. I wasn't her type. She needs somebody different. I'm not that." Worked out well for for. I think all three involved: Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown are in love. Brendan Schaub had a child. He's doing well in his career. Travis Brown, not so much. That's to me where the behavioral stuff with Travis Brown starts, as it pertains to the alleged. Domestic abuse, there are people uh, close to his ex-wife who have said that she outwardly said that they were from training, and she is an athlete as well. So that stuff happens, man. That that happens. Investigation was conducted. No wrongdoing found on Travis Brown's part. No charges were filed. Uh, no mention of the situation was brought up until... The news emerged that Ronda Rousey was dating Travis Brown, so all of it's kind of suspicious. I'm not trying to victim blame in any stretch of the imagination. If you're asking me, I don't think he did it. Don't think he did that. So, but here's the thing, Joe. I'm an asshole sometimes. Sometimes I'm that turd. Sometimes I'm the turd that sinks. Sometimes I'm the turd that floats. Sometimes I'm a great guy. That's just the way people are by nature. Nobody's going to be awesome all the time. I thought the way Travis Brown handled this with Derek Lewis was great class. He said what he needed to say. He didn't disrespect Derek Lewis's family, and he still challenged him. Also, I think he beats the brakes off of Derek Lewis in a rematch if Derek Lewis fights anything resembling the way he did in this fight. Um, and Travis Brown has been known to fade in similar fashion and abandon technique in similar fashion. What do you think about all this? So the, the whole thing is, is I always find it, I don't know, I find it kind of weird sometimes when guys get their, it's, it's yeah, Tra Travis Brown's fight IQ sometimes is, can be questioned because he does good, he does great, and then all of a sudden, whoop, there it goes. What just happened there? He's making mistakes, and it's going to cost him the fight, and I think it cost him the fight against Derek Lewis. It's cost him in other fights as well. Uh, so then he gets, you know, he gets knocked out. He gets his ass handed to him. To come out afterwards now and basically say, if you got balls, let's do it again. I'm like, okay. But it's not, it wasn't like it was a close fight. You got knocked out. So are you brave or are you dumb? It's, uh... Right? So kudos to Travis if he's brave. Yeah. If he's not thinking straight, you know, now, now it's, 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 I think it's, a, it's far more emotional for him based on what Derek Lewis has said about Ronda Rousey. So, and you don't want to go into fights emotional. Lord knows you got to keep those emotions in check. You can use them as a bit of fuel, but man, you cannot burn that energy by being pissed off and hating that opponent because your gas tank will just drop completely. So uh, it remains to be seen. I don't know if it's going to happen. We don't even know if Derek Lewis is going to be coming back to MMA. I think he will. Uh, I think he just got, you know, he got hurt. Uh, physically, obviously, quote unquote, is back, and then emotionally, when he got handed his ass by Mark Hunt, and the and Goddard stops the fight, he's getting married. We'll see what happens after that. Did you see you know, that he was supposedly eating ribs like an hour before the fight? If that was the case, then I got no sympathy for him. Jesus Christ, that guy is a moron. Uh, somebody posted a photo of him eating a plate of chicken and ribs about an hour before the main event. This guy needs a dietitian. Like, what's our nutritionist? Like, guy what you... needs a clue is what he needs. Oh, my gosh. So much for, for fueling your body correctly uh, in an environment where you're going to you know burn excessive energy and sweat 
Oh my goodness. Anyways, so again, it, it goes with <laughs> Stone Osborne. At least it wasn't Tiramisu. Good point. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I don't know. I, I when you say guys need a clue to this day, Sean, there are still fighters that don't have a clue on how to cut weight. I mean, there's this new thing that recently came out. I don't know how recent it is. It's called Google. You can Google anything and get the right information. You can read quickly on, inf- on, on any topic and realize that's BS, that's good, keep that link, blah, 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 and you can get better at whatever you want to do. Nutrition is slightly important for an athlete, okay? It's, it's extremely important, uh, especially when you're going into a, a, something that's so demanding as MMA. Eating ribs and chicken before a main event fight against Mark Hunt, not good. There was a thing I tweeted the other day. It's an old quote. It says, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Basically, it says that it's something I've followed forever. Work really, really hard to reach the peak or your goals. And if you want to keep those and follow up on them and stay at that peak, you still got to work hard. You can't rest on your laurels. Derek Lewis rests on his laurels an awful lot. Yeah. I, I, I said it before the fight, or I, I said it in our podcast, John. I don't think the guy has much of technique. He's just a strong, yes. tough dude and just got far in the UFC, maybe because it's the heavyweight division, because you could not be able to do any of that stuff at any other weight class. You'll get tuned, in my opinion. I like that. The heavyweight guys like to stand and bang. Uh, every other weight class is like, nah, I'm not going to do it. You're going down on the ground, or this is happening, or that's happening. So At some point in, this, in that division, it is a lot of its, I don't want to say luck. It's a lot of it's chance. It's rolling the dice, throwing a punch at the right time and connecting. But this was one of the first fights with like a top 5, 10, I can't remember, I don't know what he's ranked, that I, that I looked at and I was like, oh, the heavyweight champion just mows over him. And it's not even close. Like, I don't care what Derek Lewis throws at Stipe Miocic. Stipe Miocic just, he would chew through Derek Lewis and his ribs and his chicken. <laughs> that's that's that wouldn't even I mean but then again we all know it's a crapshoot at heavyweight anything can happen one punch changes everything instantaneously but that fight there if you were to match that up I mean Stipe would probably beat him just with a jab just constantly hitting yep. him with a jab he's just on a different level Stipe Miocic is a fantastic uh, and I like Mark Hunt man Mark Hunt flat out said you know he was even respectful to Derek Lewis he's like I like Derek Lewis because he doesn't cheat He's not a steroid user. And Stipe Miocic is a wonderful champion because he doesn't cheat and use steroids. Mark Hunt is on the steroid kick, man. He's on this anti-steroids, clean up this sport. God love him. I love the fact that he's doing that. And uh, I wonder what the UFC thought, Sean, after you know he merges victorious and that lawsuit's still there. And he's got three fights left on this deal. <laughs> oh, does he really? I thought this was. I thought he had one more. No, he's got three fights left. He signed a new oh. six-fight deal last year. Oh, I followed up okay. on it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? What do you make of of so obviously, you know, Dana White is is this multi sided dice. You can roll, and you never know which Dana White you're going to get. Uh, Max Holloway came out. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a deal done. Max Holloway says he doesn't want money fights. He just wants to get paid. What? What? Well. One what? has to do with the other. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do one to get the other. Max also said that Conor McGregor will have to beg him to fight for that title, or have a fight with him, or a rematch. Like Max, Max, no, Max. 
If Conor McGregor mentions your name, you have a pen in your hand, and you say, where do I sign? When? That's what you say. When? How much time do I need? That's yeah. what you need if Conor McGregor calls your name. Yeah. That's Hell yeah. Of course. That's goes so. without saying. I don't know how much Conor McGregor wants to fight a Max Holloway, though. Cause you, I will say that Am I wrong in this? I feel like Max Holloway has just as much a bu- much buzz outside of Aldo versus McGregor than Aldo really ever did. Like, I don't see a lot. I never saw a lot of buzz for Jose Aldo 1 because he made the shit really hard. He made it really hard. Now he's saying, now his coach is saying that he's injured and that's why he didn't throw any leg kicks. I'm like, well, has he been hurt like the last four fights? Because he hasn't thrown any for like four fights. I don't know. Man. Listen, Jose Aldo Jr. and Hannah Burrell, when they were both champions, trying to get them to do anything at the time was like pulling teeth. And I had a PR staff at the time who used to work with Zufa, who would handle a lot of the PR stuff for the Brazilian fighters. And we would have a conversation. She was, she's like, it's, it's next to impossible. And I would tell her, I'm like, look, don't these guys want to make money? I mean, are they making money in Brazil? And she's like, ah, they're making okay money, but not like that person and that person and that person. They're making way more money, doing way more appearances. And and she said, look, it's just their character. They're not that outgoing. I said, I understand they're not outgoing, but it's part of the job. If you want to make – don't complain that you're not making money if you're not willing to put that extra work. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And Max Holloway – he seems like he wants to fight again, like this fall, this year. That's good. They need active fighting champions. They they don't need people who are going to fight one time a year, which they they might be right back into that situation if they dare book Miocic against Cain Velasquez because it's that situation is like will Cain make it to the fight and how often will he defend it? It it can be a tough situation. It can be a tough road as well. Ah uh, man. They, they just need more active champions. you got a featherweight champion who is saying, I may never fight there again. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dana White's like, yeah, I'm going to shut down a division with maybe the most active champion that I have in Demetrius Johnson. Ah! I talked to Pearson about all this stuff, and it makes – it's just – you know, Sean Pearson's a is, is a funny dude. Uh, I had a chance to catch up with him to talk about a bunch of stuff, and I, I asked him flat out about the Derek Lewis stuff and Travis Brown stuff. I asked him about Dana White uh, and the whole potentially shutting down the division because Ben Wynn defeats Timothy Elliott in stunning fashion, and then Brian Stan asked him flat out, "All right, so who do you want next, or who do you you know you're you're moving up this division? You're probably going to be top ten. We all know Tim Elliott is 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 much higher than his number eight ranking. You know, who would you like to fight next?" And the guy was like, "Dude, fight next." I don't even know if this division's going to be around anymore. So I asked Sean Pearson about that. Uh, he gave some pretty good candid comments, and then he gave us gave his thoughts on UFC Singapore this weekend. So I don't know if you have that queued up yet, I but do, uh, that I was do. hilarious. Let's hear from Sean Pearson, who is still riding a three-fight winning streak in the UFC. All right, joined now by Sean Pearson. Sean, obviously, Derek Lewis goes down to Mark Hunt, uh, and you and I had some serious conversations a while ago when Derek Lewis uh, had that post-fight speech about Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown and how we thought it was classless. Uh, mistaken, uh, either you or myself said, if that was uh, any other time, that's how you get stabbed. Um, what's your reaction when Derek Lewis loses that fight? Because I, I was basically smiling ear to ear because I thought the MMA gods and karma got him. 
I wasn't even karma. I don't. I didn't have him having a chance in that fight. Anyways, he actually showed better than I thought he would against Hunt. Um, just he's a little more explosive than I thought he was. Like those that that front high kick, which I thought was absolutely useless, I almost caught Hunt like three or four times. Um, so Derek Lewis's athletic ability impressed me. So that, there's the positive of this whole thing. Obviously, he showed his heart is not where it needs to be. Um, they showed pretty good cardio for both guys as far as, you know, being heavyweights lasting that long. But Hunt just looked like the veteran he was and the killer he is. You know, he just weathered a little bit of a storm once in a while because uh, Lewis would just, you know, come. he'd explode. Short explosions, I'm going to try and knock you out, nothing would happen. And then Hunt would just be, like, relentless. No, no, I'm coming back. Here you go, buddy. Here you go. And, again, I was smiling because I'm a Hunt fan. I don't know if I was smiling. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Because of Derek Lewis loss, I really don't care about him. And like I said before, I even forgot about the crap he said about Ronda Rousey. I mean, it was classless, but that's the way MMA fans are, including myself, we're finical. You know, it's what's happening right now. But uh I liked uh, Brown's post afterwards about doing it again. And I also liked the fact that he said, I, you know, I don't wish your family any, you know, any ill will like you've done to mine. Like I thought it was a smart move by Brown. So obviously, you know, I know Brown on a personal level as well, but I kind of, the only thing I really disagreed with that, and I don't know if I disagree with it, to be honest with you, Sean, because it's more of a situation where it's like, okay, you lost to the guy. He beat you. You got to be careful what you say, but now you want a rematch. What 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 good is that rematch going to do? He already beat you once, and he knocked you out. Well, basically, Sam. Sorry, I'm eating my breakfast as we go here. To him, he's like he needs another fight. He's obviously a little bit upset about what Brown said, or sorry about what um, Lewis said. So there's a little bit of animosity there. He thinks it's a winnable fight, obviously. So yeah, it might not look great on paper for Derek Lewis because he's already won past you. But he goes, well, you just got knocked out. You talk shit about me. Um, we can build this fight up. It's a it's a buildable fight. So to me, that's I don't know what a main event is nowadays, but you know, it's it's up there as far as 
you know, two guys that Derek Lewis coming off a loss. We got a chick coming off three losses doing a main event. So, you know, to him, he goes, if we can create a story here, we can probably get some money for this fight. You're absolutely correct. Uh, we'll get to that main event in a moment here. I want to ask you real quickly about the UFC flyweight division. Uh, you know, even Ben Wynn, who defeats Timothy Elliott, asked, you know, who, you know, Brian Stan asked him, who do you want next? He's like, dude, I don't even know if, if this division is going to be alive anytime soon. And what do you make of all that? I think it's Dana White just doing his thing, you know, jockeying position and controlling his pawns. Um, to me, you, you built a division. You've got the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. I know Dana White wants it to be Conor McGregor, but the truth be told, Conor's the best pound-for-pound shit-talker and money generator in the world. I don't know if he's the best pound-for-pound fighter. He's up there. But uh, I think it's a hard a hard sell if you get me off of Mighty Mouse because he dismantles everybody. Um I don't think that weight class is going anywhere. Again, Dana can do what he wants. He can say what he wants, but we've seen it before. Dana White says a lot of things just to get people talking, to to move the needle. Dana's going to do whatever he wants to do. You know what I mean? But I don't think the weight class is going anywhere. Um, before we get to, to UC Singapore, um, obviously there's this, this talk of Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell 3 won't go away. Uh, do you think it happens? I don't care. That's it. Just you don't care. They can fight in their backyard for all I care. I'm not going to – again, if it's free on TV, I'm going to end up watching it. As long as it's not a Friday night where, you know, it's red panty night with me and the wifey. But I don't care. You know I mean, like – Well, should that Friday night – fight. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, well, should your... Chuck's coming out of retirement for a fight. Like, for what? Chuck needs another payday? Like, what, what's he done with his money? You know what I mean? Like, I – whatever. All right, we'll close things off. Uh, so now you got me kind of nervous about your Friday night, but my place or your place this Saturday, 4.30 a.m., UC Singapore kicks off. What are we doing? I didn't even know there was an event going on. <laughs> well, there's a UFC event going on. As you mentioned, uh, a lady who's lost three fights in her old Holly home, uh, still a solid fighter. She's taking on Betch Correa uh, in the main event, but this is in Singapore, and the first fight goes off at 4.30 a.m. I can You can rest assured, Sean, I will not be up watching that fight live i don't know for everybody who's doing boxer size this is a a little bit of a you know an inspiration for it because didn't beth join an mma like four years ago you know to lose weight and boxer size and now she's a ufc title contender i don't know um the women's division is finicky to me there's people that and I, holly holmes got some skills don't get me wrong but she's coming off three losses in a row she's main eventing some who's she main eventing over that's actually more important here not the fact that she's a main eventer because that fight's not a main event to anybody but um who is she over top of? Because that's actually the more insulting part. Who's the co-main event here and who's underneath it? Andre Orlovsky and Marcin Tabura are the uh, co-main event. Okay, so they've got an average age probably of 80, so maybe that's okay. And I'm, I'm Orlovsky, Orlovsky has taken up most of that, I think. I don't know who the other guy even is, but okay, go to the next one. Uh, stun Gun, guy that you were – I don't know, you fought him. Dunyan Kim yeah, versus uh, Colby Covington. See, the, the Stun Gun I feel bad for. He's just lost in there because he's just not marketable. He's had some really cool wins. Um, I was wanting to see him fight more. I think that's been his biggest problem. I don't know if that's on him or on the UFC, but he doesn't fight very much. So there's nothing behind him, and I think now he's probably past his prime. Um, but, yeah, not a, again, not another huge main event fight, obviously. So still, if I'm, if I'm those two, you know, having some girl come off three losses and a girl who joined Boxer Size four years ago, main event above me is a problem. They, what about the what about the what about the fight that kicks off the main card? Tarek Safadine taking on Rafael dos Anjos, former that, champ. That's that's a pure insult for those two. Like those two guys there, 
you know, both guys are great fighters. Um, both guys were, you know, well, Dos Anjos was the champ, and then Safin was right there. Like, he was probably top three, I think, for a little bit. And wasn't he the strike force champ at one point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so two two great fighters there. Like, I don't know. People got to rethink their strategy as far as marketing is concerned because, again, if you're fourth in line behind behind that main event, you got bigger problems. Joe, it is storming here in Kentucky. We got some sun out here right now. It was storming earlier today. Uh, but, yeah, how Sean Pearson isn't a bigger star is beyond me. He should be a premier personality. He is here on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. The guy's just a mess. And that was the clean version that you guys heard, by yeah. the way. Yeah, we, if did, you, we did some editing. If you... <laughs> <laughs> If you, if you guys all heard before the interview and then per, after not what only that, and I spoke about. Per his request, it was so bad, he had to be like, oh, let me just let me just backpedal on that one thing. Yeah, that's Sean. Sean's that, that guy that will voice his opinion and then realize, oh God, I'm a dad. No, 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 no. You got to get Joe. Tell your boys to cut that or edit that out. And I'm like, don't worry, we'll do it. It's funny though, Sean. You know, no, no, can't do it, can't do it, can't. Please, please. I said, no, no, we'll we'll, we'll take care of it. Uh, thankfully, we don't record before and after uh, some of the shout stuff out, that Sean and I. Shout out to Nigel, one of our one of our producers of this show, for being able to edit that with the quickness. Yeah. By the way, guys, if you all didn't check out our UFC Auckland review, go check that out. It is over at Fightful.com. Uh, subscribe. Leave us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Let people know about the show, of course. Uh, just spread the word. If you like our analysis, if you like our personalities, if you hate us, just tell people. People might be masochists. I don't know. They might be into that sort of thing. But uh, we had The List and Your Boy coming tomorrow afternoon. We have a post-Smackdown show. Of course, we do all uh, all uh, post shows as well uh, for WWE, UFC, Bellator, uh, I'm going to hit you all with a couple of programming notes here in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I really appreciate all the support you all give us. We are back on uh, Saturday afternoon to talk UFC Singapore. It will not be right after the show because the show starts at 4.30 a.m. We will have live coverage, but we're going to wait a couple hours. I'm thinking sometime between 2 and 2.30. I have a wedding to be at at 4.30, so uh, we'll try to fit it in there, but... Well, we got UFC Singapore to talk about right now. And according to Sean, <laughs> oh, what he says about Betch Correa, first of all, he's like, didn't she Holly Holm She's just, is it me? I mean, I, I don't want to ever disparage any human being in general, but is it me or is she an odd duck? Yeah, she's weird. Well, she's either she's smart a little bit because she, she – she struck the iron while it was hot as it pertained to the four horsewomen. Yes. I love Jessamine Duke and Shayna Baszler, but it was very, very smart to see that she could beat them and then did because her entire career was made off of beating Jessamine Duke and Shayna Baszler. A couple of girls who haven't had any UFC success in over three and a half years. And she made a career off of that. She is still getting fights off of that because in doing so... She parlayed that into a title fight with Ronda Rousey. She got absolutely plastered on that straight out of Compton logo. Just damn. 
folded up. She looked like a tent that wasn't put together right on top of that logo. Just planted. And because of that, they're like, okay, well, she's been in a title fight. She's been in a main event. UFC Fight Pass was actually arguing with Mike Bond about why she deserved to be in it. It was so funny. They're like, yeah, title challengers and champions and contenders. And he's like, all of the accolades you just mentioned equal to 0-15-1 in their last 16 fights, cumulatively. That being said, I think this Singapore show is pretty good from, from the outside looking in. Holly Holm was going to beat Misha Tate, or at the very least, draw had, had what went down didn't go down. She wasn't beating Shevchenko. Many say she did beat Jermaine Durandamy. Betch Kohea, on the other hand, her best win in the last three years is against Jessica I, who never wins, and if she was lucky, would be a top 15, 125 at this point. She drew with Marion Renault. She lost to Raquel Pennington. Hey, that's going to happen. You're going to lose yep. to Raquel Pennington. That tough stuff happens. But uh, she's just not good. And I think, my question is this. Will the loss to Holly Holm be quick and violent or sustained and embarrassing? I might go with the latter because it seems that Holly Holm seems to fight based on what her opponent gives her. It's not like Holly Holm is younger anymore where she could just go 0 to 100 real quick and then just boom, 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 it's over. Uh, she seems to be more, I wouldn't say lackadaisical, that's, a, that's an incorrect term, but just fights to what her opponent gives her, uh, is a great counterfighter, uh, sometimes can be too predictable with the key eyes and stuff like that because uh, she sets and then strikes. I don't see how Betch Correa can be in the same octagon as Holly Holm when it comes to striking. Uh, and, and Holly Holm's ground game is underrated despite having, you know, losing to Misha Tate the way she did. Um, Betch Correa, to me, doesn't, has, has never been anyone that comes across to me. Maybe she has skills, Sean. Technique wise, it looks different than what it should be. You know, it's like Jake Shields. When Jake Shields throws a jab, it's not straight. It has this sort of fluidity to it. It goes up and down, right? So, um, Betch Correa, to me, doesn't seem to have this quote-unquote prototypical perfect mixed martial arts technique, but some way, somehow, she's headlining a UFC event in Singapore. Uh, Holly Holm cannot lose this fight whatsoever. Thanks, thanks to James uh, here. You see his chat window for making sure to message me during the podcast, as he knows not to do. So what I does can't Jimmy Van want? Huh? Yeah. What does Jimmy Van want? I, I, let, I let the staff know, hey guys, don't message me. I'll be on a podcast. It messes things up. And he still messages you? He still messages me. The owner of the site of course. is hijacking our podcast. In the middle of my rant about Betch Correa and Holly Holm, he has to hijack the podcast. It's okay. I fixed it. I was able to get around Jimmy Van. Somebody says, SRS, don't tell me you cut your hair. Now I'm growing it out. I'm going to uh, uh, donate it. But yes, Kyler, I see the Skype chat is up because of our fearless leader who likes to make cameos. But uh, this (laughs) – you got to imagine. You got to imagine that the UFC saw this as a way to book Holly home in a fight she could win in a territory they wanted to, to go to against someone they could say is a title challenger, right? I mean, it's, it's easy booking. 
She's lost three in a row. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, Holly Holm, in my opinion, I didn't check the odds. I'll check the odds right now as I speak. Uh, but Holly Holm right now is a minus 620 favorite. So even the bookies uh, are setting the lines and, and the people putting money down were not, are not making that line move correctly. It's actually going the opposite way. She might be a minus 700, 750 by the time this fight uh, goes live. So in terms of, of Holly Holm, to say this is a winnable fight would be an understatement. Right. Like, I mean, come on. She should be destroying Betch Correa. And, and it, it'd be great for her career if she does it within a round and absolutely makes a massacre of Betch Correa. And if Betch Correa wins, Holly Holmes, she's done. Like, yeah, you got to figure she's done. So Carl James is saying I'm lagging, lagging in what? Like, no shit, Sherlock. I told you guys it messed up the stream. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for messing us up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I cannot see Holly Holm losing this fight. Um, I think she's got she's got just far too much skills. I, th- I think if she just I think if she just picks up the pace a little bit, Sean, she's going to be you know victorious in a manner that in the way she wants to, like she was a little bit younger in her career, because she's a devastating fighter. You know, she's a fantastic kickboxer. Obviously, she's a great striker, and I think she could really, really, really put a hurting on Betch Correa. Betch Correa will come out there explosive like a pit bull. Uh, and at the same time, Holly Holm could just simply bob and weave, dodge her, blah, 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 pick her apart until, you know, you realize that Betch Correa can no longer do anything and you'll start seeing her footwork slow down and then she can go in there for the finish. I mean, that, that's what I see happening in this fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause Betch Correa's footwork is dirty. It's not good. She's just not a good fighter. She made it very far on, uh, what she has, and I, I think that time is up. Fair enough. Co-main event, Andrei Orlovsky, uh, Marcin Tabura, or Tabura, depends on where you're from on this planet. Uh, according to Sean Pearson, average age of 80. <laughs> Come on now. It's not 80. Okay. But I like this fight. I like, I mean, Andrei Orlovsky is at the, in the twilight of his career again. Well, Tabura is 31. Time. Yeah, he's not exactly not young. but In the heavyweight division, it is. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. But this one I cannot see going, you know, more than a round and a half. I mean, someone's going to sleep here. Let's be honest. Yeah, I would imagine so. And this is a sink or swim situation for Tybura. They're like, okay, you can get your third straight win. If you do, it'll be against Arlovsky. Arlovsky, you got to win here or you're probably headed to Bellator or Ryzen. Not a lot to break down in this situation. It's just it's we got a couple of guys who... Are going to go in there, and I would imagine Arlovsky will be a little timid at first. He knows his job is probably on the line, but he's had one one fight go to decision since that horrible Brendan Schaub fight that kicked off his his newest UFC run. So I don't see this one uh, going to the scorecards. To be honest with you. No, Colby Covington's a minus 210 favorite over Stun Gun Dun Young Kim, a former opponent of Sean Pearson's. Uh, this is going to be a fun fight. Uh, Dun Young Kim better make some quicker decisions because Colby Covington's going to come in there to hurt him, like big time. Colby Covington's very, very underrated. He is 6-1 and one in the UFC. He can, he can finish you. He can go all the way. Uh, he, it's not like it, he's not a well-traveled dude. His first two fights in the UFC were in China and Brazil. He won both of those. You don't see a lot of guys that are, 
that's an underrated aspect of this, being well-traveled and being able to do that. And he's done it in Canada. He's done it in the States. He's done it in Brazil. He's done it in China. He doesn't really care where you send him. And his only loss was to uh, Worley Alves, who at that time looked like he was going to be something special. I think that was Alves's like fourth straight, or technically seventh straight win, if you include the Ultimate Fighter in the UFC. Yeah, and, and this is another one of those situations where it's like, well, not a lot of people know uh, who Colby Covington is, but if he beats Dong Hyun Kim, I think people are going to take notice. That being said, Dong Hyun Kim is not a slouch. He, uh, I think, I think he escaped many people's minds because he missed like a full year from like I think it was December. He missed like thirteen months between fifteen and sixteen, but he's back. He's he's fresh off the win against Tarek Safadine. But I, I'm excited for this fight. I think it's a good fight. It's a hell of a matchup. A great uh, whoever matched this one up did did a really good job. You mentioned Tarek Safadine. He's taken on Rafael dos Anjos, who moves up to 170 pounds, is a minus 340 favorite over Tarek Safadine. That seems pretty far, don't you think? That's a wide gap, no? Yeah, and yeah, you know, we're sitting here wondering will we ever see. The Tarek Safadine that became Strikeforce welterweight champion. I don't think we will. He's only nope. thirty, but um, I mean, he's he's had a rough go of it in the UFC. He has. I don't but, know if it's injuries or what it may be, or lagging injuries or or pain when he's competing. But I think we've seen the peak of Tarek Safadine. I do too, and he's missed a lot of time for a guy who came in and fought so much. It, like before 2011, he missed. A long time. He missed a year after his Strike Force Welterweight Championship. There was no capitalizing on that at all. He True. missed a full year, and then he missed, I think, a year and a half after Rory McDonald like evaporated him. So, and since then, his only win is against Jake Ellenberger. And Jake Ellenberger, we've seen what he is at this stage. It's very tough to run run that with. Uh, I, I just think we've seen the peak of, of Tarek Safadine, and I don't know if it's going to be a, a nice descent to watch. And Rafael Dos Anjos getting put in there. He's trying to show that he's not on the descent after losing two straight fights. He's got something to prove, and I, th- I think Dos Anjos is going to do it. Uh, but if, if you want to build Dos Anjos up as a legit welterweight guy, then this is another one of those fights you can say, well, this is a former strike force welterweight champion he beat. And perception is reality. What does this win, should he emerge victorious, uh, what does this win mean for Rafael Dos Anjos? Because it doesn't put him in the title mix per se. Is it one of those, it's like, I see you over there, I know you're coming. Is it one of those situations? Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. John Tuck taking on Takanori Gomi. Uh, (laughs) Gomi's got to hang them up. With all due respect, he's got, he's got to hang him up. He's a my, he's a plus two ten underdog here. Uh, John Tuck should beat him, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Takanori Gomi does pull off another upset. But in my opinion, this guy's been fighting forever. I think enough's enough. I don't think either one of these guys are great at this stage. Uh, John Tuck has won one of four. Takanori Gomi is here for fights like this. That's why he's here, is to be on shows like this in Singapore and Japan and all that. Another one of those guys that 
he takes like a year off all the time. He hasn't fought since July. Before that, he didn't fight since July 2015. Before that, it was September of 14. Before that, he missed he missed a year between 13 and 14. I'm surprised he's still around. 38 years old. He'll be 39 this year. Anything's no possible, joke, and that that crowd yeah. will probably go crazy if if he wins, but. He's been getting finished pretty violently and pretty quickly lately. Like yeah, the human, the human like, body can only take so much, especially the human brain. He hasn't the made it. Done. He hasn't made it two minutes and forty seconds in like three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't like his. Yeah, this is a this is a fight where if he gets tagged early and often, it could be over fairly fairly quickly. If he uses his wrestling, you know, the way he uses his wrestling is a different story. But this is not a guy who's in his late 20s, early 30s anymore. Uh, Sorrell asked, if you look, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you look up and down these fights and look at some of these odds, this event, and I don't want to kill the karma on this, I don't want to jinx it, but this event screams of finishes, 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 based on how some of these odds are being posted. you got Sorrell Asker taking on Walt Harris, and Harris is a minus 280 favorite. He's a really athletic heavyweight, too. Uh, one of those heavyweights that seems like he's a young name, but he's in his second run in the UFC, didn't start fighting until he was like 28, 29, which is okay for, for heavyweights. He was a college basketball player, so I would imagine he has uh, – that's where he got his footwork from because footwork is very – like you don't want to cross your feet a whole lot when you're, when you're defending somebody in basketball. So I'd say that's where a lot of that athleticism came from. He's a guy who – Ran into some unfortunate names. He got head kicked by Krylov early on. He got laid on by Jared Rochelle. He got another shot after he won that Titan fight against DJ Linderman. And then was welcomed back by Hulk Pulele. But he joined that that elite class of beating up Cody East. So I kind of like him because Cody East is a terrible person. But... Yeah, it's it's a heavyweight and it's low level heavyweight. So that being said, Joe, you can never predict that type of thing. At least accurately, it, it's tough to. Yeah, very true, very true. Uh, Alex Caceres is back. Bruce Leroy minus three hundred favorite uh, over Orlando Die D Die D Y D M C. Alex Caceres is one of my go to players on EA UFC two. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. He is overpowered on that game. There, there were times when Alex Caceres looked pretty damn promising. He had, he went on that streak where he went unbeaten in like five fights, and they're like, okay, we're giving you Uriah Faber. <laughs> it's like, that poor guy. But since then, he struggled. But I, I've loved the way they booked him in the last two fights, because I don't think it's unreasonable, or the last three, really. They put him against Cole Miller, Yair Rodriguez, and Jason Knight. And if you asked me, who are three guys you'd want to watch Alex Caceres fight, those are three of the guys. Those are three of probably the top five, ten of the available options and realistic options to do. I've always been told the UFC likes Alex Caceres. Uh, I think he picks up a win here, and I think they want him to pick up a win here. Yeah, uh, I think he emerges victorious. Uh, if there's ever one guy, ladies and gentlemen, that you do not want to be around... When they're cutting weight, uh, and you don't want to be dressed in a suit, bald head with a microphone, and interview this person prior to this person lo- losing weight, even the day before weigh-ins, it would be Alex Caceres. Trust me on that. My experience uh, is no joke. He's not a pleasant human being uh, when he needs to lose weight. After that, great. 
Other than that, ooh. Justin Scoggins, minus 500 against Ulka Sasaki. Returning to flyweight. Weird. Can you believe it? No. This and he's got to travel halfway around the world to, to make that weight. That's, that's got me a little worried. I'm not going to lie to you. This is another one of those fights. I think they're like... This is like a, an episode of WWF Superstars on like Saturday or Sunday in, in the early 90s. It's like, here you go. Get yourself a win. Holly. Alex. Raphael. Justin. Get yourself a win. And Arlovsky versus Tybura is that, that, that wild card that we don't know about and Covington Kim. But that being said... We do get, and they put this so low on the card. It's like, well, if he doesn't make weight or he passes out or something, it doesn't hurt that much. The show, at least. I think that was very smart to do that. Um, but we're going to get a lot of questions answered. Can he make weight? If he can make weight, then he will be a name to look out for in the flyweight division. But can he do it? He's 25 years old. He ain't getting any smaller, Joe. But he should beat Ulka Sasaki, and he should do it fairly easily if if he goes in healthy. Yeah. Uh, on a side note, uh, <laughs> some people are going to laugh at me right now. Do you ever tell – Sean, do you ever tell people – listen, for example, Jimmy Van. Do you ever tell people, listen, between 3 o'clock Eastern till 4.30 Eastern, I have a podcast to do. I have a video podcast to do. So if you attempt to call me, if you attempt to come to my house, if you attempt, if you attempt to reach out to me – I'm not going to be able to reply. Yeah, Jimmy Van, who then messages me on Skype. I sent him and the team a message probably about 15 minutes before this went live. And now I get to see you once every like three seconds now because of this crappy Skype, which doesn't work well with Wirecast. It's not a Wirecast problem. It's very much a Skype problem. They want to make it as difficult as possible. It's going bananas because he messaged me. The reason why I, mess- I, the reason why I brought it up is we're working on our basement in my house. We're finishing our basement. Uh, my father-in-law is retired. He's a former uh, construction guy, framer, uh, just needs to keep busy and says, we're doing your basement. You know, We can get all the materials at cost, if not for free. I'm like, okay, cool, blah, blah, blah. So we have drywallers or, or guys that do the mudding and taping for the drywall. Uh, today will be the third time they come over because they've got to do it in sessions. And yesterday I said, hey, guys, uh, are you coming over today, Monday? Uh, or you, do you want to come over on Tuesday? He's like, ah, can we come over on you know tomorrow, a.k.a. today, Tuesday? I said, no problem. I said, just so you know, from 3 o'clock till 4.30, I'm live. Uh, so you know, you either, you either got to come before that, way before that, or you got to come after that. The guy's like, oh, no, we're not going to come to like 5, 6 o'clock Eastern, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, just so you know, if you show up between 3 and 4.30, I really can't do nothing for you. I'm live on the air. Well, when you were talking about Justin Scoggins – I get a text on my screen. Hey, we're outside. <laughs> it's beautiful, isn't it? I, I don't get it. It's just, it's, it's. I don't. Anyways, so well, we, I we just had we up. had a very nice guy, the guy I mentioned who hauled off the trash earlier today. He was supposed to come a little later. If anybody knows my schedule, they know Monday a.m. like seven eight a.m. Not impossible, but very unlikely. You know, Monday Night Raw exists, and that's a thing that I cover, and I'm up editing and posting and uh, things like that until – if I get to bed by 2.30 or 3, I'm doing good. Yeah. Painful. Painful. Uh, let's get back to this UFC Singapore card. Uh, these are the you – know, we're getting into the fights that we're not going to be watching at 4.30 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. Uh, Frank Camacho taking on Lee Jingling. 
Minus 470 for Lee. That's huge. That is huge. Uh, glad to see him back because he had that weird situation where he was gone for a little bit, and now he's back even though he fought in January. like they, It was up in the air about his contract status. Yeah, I think he wins this pretty handily. Quan Ho Quack taking on Russell Doan, and uh, this is a bit closer. Minus 50 for Quack, plus 130 for Russell Doan. Don't laugh. Go on. Russell Doan has lost four fights in a row. Why is he in? Why? Oh, wait, I know why. Because they want to get somebody a win. Yeah, Carl's John de Torres, or de Thomas, excuse me, taking on Naoki Inoue. Uh, and Inoue is a minus 290 favorite. These are not names uh, even hardcore guys may know. Uh, but they're fighting. They're on this card. And we're not going to be up to watch them live. They, they do exist, yes. That is a fact. These people exist. They will be fighting, perhaps. <laughs> to open up the fight pass card, uh, Ji Young Kim taking on Lucy Pudlova. What the hell am I supposed to say about this? Nothing. It's a women's bantamweight fight. They want to get Kim a win. Why are you guys in the chat pity me against Dana White? Because you all what look happened? alike. You... Oh, we don't look alike You're like at pocket all. Dana White. Not even close. I don't even look like the guy. I'm pretty. Yeesh. Dana would close the division if he had to fight Showdown Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Stone Osborne. I like it. I like it. Uh, no, no violence from this guy here. No need to fight Dana White. Uh, nothing of that nature. Some, somebody, they're, they're doing the, like this fantasy celebrity card, and one says, headlined by Vince Russo versus Jim Cornette. Okay, guys, tune into the list and your boy tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern because Jimmy Van reached out to Jim Cornette in an effort to set up a debate, and you're going to want to hear the response. So will I, because he hasn't told me yet. He's going to read the email response on the air. That is something you all want to check out. And believe me when I say that when he really wanted to make this happen, he really wanted to make this happen. He was asking me what my schedule looked like. He was asking me how realistic it was for me to be able to go to a neutral location. Fortunately for me, Jim Cornette's in Louisville, uh, Vince is in Indiana, so I could have made that drive quick any day. Uh, we were we were talking about potential ways that we would broadcast it, air it, release it. Uh, now I don't know what Jim said. I don't know if Jim said, "Hell yeah, I'll do it." Set the date, or if he just said, "No thanks," or whatever. But Jimmy told me the response is worth the view, so I want to hype that up. Uh, you all got to tune into the list and your boy tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. Love it. Absolutely love it. Don't forget, yours truly will have another article penned, pieced, written, and posted uh, on Fightful.com uh, probably by tomorrow. I will have another new video, a rant. So it depends on what happens between now and then. On Thursday, uh, I will post another rant. And on Friday, I will put together my uh, UFC fun bets for the UFC Singapore card. So uh, lots from this guy here uh, to get some work done for Fightful. Uh, I'm very excited to get some stuff out there. Uh, people are liking the rants, Sean. Uh, I like them too. i got to start swearing, I think. I, I think that what I should start doing is uh, maybe we should re-air them on here. And uh, that, that would be kind of cool. But... Um, also, I, I've got a column coming out this week about the state of the heavy, or the yeah the state of the heavyweight division and some of the the the, late, the lesser known names that are in that division. 
I, I think that's that's an interesting thing to look at because Derek Lewis might be gone. Mark Hunt won't be around after about three more fights. So we're in a very unique position in this heavyweight division where you've got five big names atop the division, but some of them don't fight. Some of them only fight each other. Some of them can't put wins together. I mean, you're Joe right now in this heavyweight division. I'll just I'm going to look at Junior Dos Santos. Let me let me pull Junior Dos Santos up. He got a world title shot in May. The guy hasn't put together back-to-back wins since 2011 and 2012. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one of the top guys in this division. Now, is he fighting elite guys? Yeah, he sure is. But when you are ranked number four and you can't, you haven't put together two straight wins in over five to six years, it shows you how crazy this division can be. Now, granted, he was only fighting like Cain Velazquez for a while. Although I will say this, I would watch the hell out of Cain Velazquez versus Junior Dos Santos for any day because I don't know what kind of condition Cain Velazquez is in. He might not have vertebrae at this point. I don't know. That's actually a good point. Never mind. You never know what would happen in that fight. Yeah. Although Junior isn't Junior Dos Santos of the past. Neither. That Kane, Steve, but we don't yeah. know if Kane is the Kane of the past. He might yeah. be if he shows up and he treats somebody like he did against Travis Brown last year. That's something. But he's about to be 35 years old. Uh, forget, forget winning back-to-back fights, Joe. Which Vel- Velasquez hasn't done since 2013. Kane never fights. He just doesn't fight. Sad, sad. He's going to go down as a what could have been, should have been, would have been. Even though he was a champion of the world, two um, fights in three and a half years. That's yeah. Sad reality of the situation. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of Jim Cornette stuff up there on the chat. Hot topic, man. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. Jim Cornette is is polarizing. I the the one time I met him, he was he was very kind to me. Granted, it was in a public setting, but. Yeah, somebody says he's he's like a witty Brian Alvarez with how much he tortures himself with wrestling. Guys, there are things I don't like about wrestling. There are things I don't like about MMA. There is nothing I would rather do than my job. And that's why I work so hard at it. That's why I'm willing to work virtually all hours a day at it. I I don't get why somebody would try to make a living of something that they apparently hate now either. I don't – it's – I don't get it, man. Life is too short to be that unhappy. But we're going to talk about a lot. I'm excited to see how he responded to Jimmy Van. Like, I half expect Jimmy Van to just say to me, to read the email and be like, Why, yes, sir. Not only would I like to do it, I would like to do it for free and benefit the charity of your choosing. Like, something like completely out of character. I'm really pumped for that. Have to tune in. It's gonna be good. Watch you two guys go at it. Anything else you want to discuss before we wrap this up? I think that's about it. We have our UFC Singapore post show this Saturday, or yeah, this Saturday afternoon. It's gonna be a little bit after the show. I'll let you all know when it is. Personally, I think two thirty is a good time, but we'll have to get with Joe. Find make sure it's it's all copacetic. It's not Joe, Sean. You know that. It's not Joe that you have to oh, worry about. Oh gosh, it's the missus. Now we'll, we'll figure it out. 
Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Gotta make her happy. It's a Saturday, you know. She wants to do things outside. She wants to go out. My wife My is son- off this week. I'm gonna take likely Wednesday, Thursday, Friday evening and spend a little bit of time with her. So I feel you, man. I wouldn't be surprised. I told my wife that the events at you know it starts at four thirty a.m. and she just looked at me and she's like, "And how's that my problem? Get up and watch the fights." And I was like, "I'm not getting up at four thirty a.m." Yeah. She's like, "Well, it's Saturday. You better figure it out." And walked away. I was like, "Whoa, okay." So yeah, she's awesome. She's uh, she's hilarious in that matter. But uh, we'll we'll figure it done. We'll, we'll figure it done. We'll figure it out uh, in terms of when we go live. But we want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, live. Thank you to everyone in the live chat. Stop causing trash between me and uh, Dana White. Uh, we want to thank Sean Ross Sapp. Thank you, Jimmy Van, for crashing uh, this podcast. I will try and endeavor to crash yours tomorrow if I'm here uh, in the home office, but uh, we'll see. Uh, to those that are tuning in later on on iTunes and on Stitcher, we thank you very much for the support. Make sure you spread the news. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, tell people about Fightful.com. Tell people about the Holy Smokes podcast. We have a great time uh, doing it. Uh, we had some fun this morning discussing how we might make some changes moving forward. You saw some of the changes today. There will be some more moving forward, but uh, we're, we're, we're going to improve this every single week because Sean and I absolutely love doing this. Uh, I'm a little bitter that Sean uh, – I wasn't able to piss Sean off at the top of the show. I'll do my best maybe after Singapore uh, or next week because uh, nothing, nothing's better than a Sean Ross Sapp rant. So we'll see how it goes. But for now, don't forget, you can follow us at Fightful MMA, at Fightful uh, on social media. Follow Sean and his cats at Sean Ross Sapp uh, and, of course, yours truly – at Showdown Joe. We thank you for joining the Holy Smokes podcast, but for now, we're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.